and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas llavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 78, we'll be continuing our three-part series on ser versus estar. After all, as an English speaker, one of the trickiest things to learn is when to use the Spanish verbs estar and ser as they both mean to be, but are both used in very distinct ways in Spanish. So last time in episode 77, we looked specifically at how and when to use the verb ser, remembering the mnemonic ser plus the phrase se tiene. So if you haven't heard that episode, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that one first, as today we'll do a detailed look at when and how to use the verb estar. And of course, we'll continue our cultural tip mini-series on Bolivia. Entonces, ¡vámonos! Just a quick note before we begin, if you would like more resources to help you with ser versus estar and other Spanish grammar, please check out the links in today's show notes. Full disclosure, some of them are Amazon affiliate links, and for more information on that, you can see my disclosure policy. And I have clearly marked in the show notes which ones are those affiliate links. But basically, these resources were invaluable to me in preparing for this episode series, so please enjoy. All right, let's also begin with a quick recap on using the verb ser. In order to remember when and how do you ser, just remember ser plus the phrase se tiene. So you have the verb ser, you start with S, and this represents the se in the phrase se tiene to remind you that you use ser to create the passive voice. Next in the word ser, we have I, which represents the expression or expresión for the phrase se tiene to help you remember that you use it for possessives. Remember, se tiene is, is it had, so is it a possessive? E is para la expresión, se tiene. And finally, we have R, right? The last letter in the word ser. And this stands for revelación. So it's the revelation, which is the acronym tiene in the phrase se tiene. So this stands for time, impersonal expressions, norms, and event locations. Tiene. And if you just remember that mnemonic, you'll be able to remember when you are supposed to use the verb ser. And now, this all, of course, leads to today's main focus, which is using the verb estar. For this verb, we're going to use the mnemonic phrase si lo está tirando. So to begin with, let's start with the first part of that phrase, si, or yes in Spanish. So si. The word si here refers to subjective impressions. Si, S-I, subjective impressions. Now you use a star when you have statements that express the speaker's opinions about how something seems to them. It's a cool nuance within the Spanish language when you're using estar versus ser in this way. For example, if you say, Juanita está bella, you are saying that right now, Juanita looks beautiful to you. But if you were to say, Juanita es bella, you are saying that she is a beautiful person all the time. Or if you say that Pedro está gordo, you are implying that Pedro looks fat to you, or Pedro looks fat. Whereas if you use ser, 
Pedro is gordo, then you are saying that Pedro is generally a fat person rather than in this moment, it looks like he's gained a lot of weight. Now, the next of our mnemonic in that phrase is lo, right? So it's si lo está tirando. We already talked about si, so we'll move on to lo. And this stands for location. Whenever you are referencing the location of people or things, then you use the verb estar. Remember, ser is only used in regards to location if it's to talk about where an event is being held. So when asking about something's location, if you can't phrase the sentence with the words, where is X being held, then you need to use estar. Here are some examples. ¿Dónde está María? Where is María? Ella está en la escuela. She is in school. ¿Dónde está María? Where is María? Ella está en la escuela. She is in school. ¿Dónde están los baños? Where are the bathrooms? Very important question. ¿Dónde están los baños? Where are the bathrooms? Ve a la izquierda al final del pasillo. Go left at the end of the aisle. Ve a la izquierda al final del pasillo. Go left at the end of the aisle. Estoy en el cine. I am at the movies. Estoy en el cine. I am at the movies. ¿Dónde está? Where is it? ¿Dónde está? Where is it? Allí está. There it is. Allí está. There it is. Next, we have the phrase está tirando. And this is to remind you that you use estar to form the present progressive or the Spanish equivalent of a gerund, aka the ing in English. You form this grammatical tense by conjugating the verb estar with the gerund. And while we won't focus too much on gerunds for this episode, the basic way to form one is by taking the infinitive verb, like, for example, nadar, you remove the AR ending and add ANDO to create nadando. With ER and IR verbs, you remove the ending and add IENDO, although there are exceptions which we won't go into here. So here are some examples Estoy nadando. I am swimming. Estoy nadando. I am swimming. Él está durmiendo. He is sleeping. Él está durmiendo. He is sleeping. Ella está leyendo. She is reading. Ella está leyendo. She is reading. Ellos no lo están entendiendo. They are not understanding him. Ellos no lo están entendiendo. They are not understanding him. All right, let's move on to the actual word tirando. And the beginning, the first letter of this word, T, stands for temporary conditions. This is where you have estar plus an adjective to describe things like emotions, changes to states of being, or observations that people have changed from their normal appearance or characteristics. Now, while we're going through this list, you might notice that some of the temporary conditions, so-called, that use estar and the adjective don't really seem all that temporary. But you could argue that they are going from a temporary state to a more permanent state, if you will. So hopefully that helps. Let's first look at some examples of emotions, which we all know can be quite fleeting. ¿Cómo estás? How are you? Estoy feliz. I am happy. ¿Cómo estás? How are you? Estoy feliz. I am happy. ¿Por qué estáis tristes? Why are you all sad? Or you could say, y'all sad. ¿Por qué estáis tristes? Why are y'all sad? Él está nervioso porque rompió el reloj de su padre. 
He's nervous because he broke his father's watch. Él está nervioso porque rompió el reloj de su padre. He's nervous because he broke his father's watch. Pobrecita, ella está enferma. Poor thing, she is sick. Pobrecita, ella está enferma. Poor thing, she is sick. Next, we have some examples of changed states of being or conditions. Note that these changes can be temporary or permanent. Las puertas estaban cerradas. The doors were closed. Las puertas estaban cerradas. The doors were closed. Las ventanas estaban muy abiertas. The windows were wide open. Las ventanas estaban muy abiertas. The windows were wide open. ¿Dónde está Raúl? Where is Raúl? ¿Dónde está Raúl? Where is Raúl? Él está muerto. He is dead. Él está muerto. He is dead. Now, death is a harsh reality, but it is a change of being. Estoy casada con Luis. I am married to Luis. Estoy casada con Luis. I am married to Luis. Now, marriage is a change of state from singlehood, even though it is a more permanent state of being. But if you were to introduce Luis as your husband, you would express this as, este es mi esposo, Luis. So note how you use ser in this case, as you are commenting on his relationship to you. And finally, let's talk about changes in someone's, or something's, normal conditions. Ella está pálida. She looks pale. Ella está pálida. She looks pale. And it's in the sense that she doesn't normally look pale, but right now, she is scared. No me gusta esta comida. Está fría. I don't like this food. It's cold. No me gusta esta comida. Está fría. I don't like this food. It's cold. ¿Qué piensas de Roberto? What do you think about Roberto? ¿Qué piensas de Roberto? What do you think about Roberto? Él está muy flaco. No lo reconocí. He has gotten really skinny. I didn't recognize him. Él está muy flaco. No lo reconocí. He has gotten really skinny. I didn't recognize him. You would use estar in this situation to highlight the change in his appearance from the last time you saw him. The next letter in tirando is I for idiomatic expressions. These are formed by combining estar with a preposition followed by a noun. In Spanish, these idioms are called modismos. You've probably heard of several of them. Estar de acuerdo con, to be in agreement with. Estar de acuerdo con, to be in agreement with. Estar de buen o mal humor, to be in a good or bad mood. Estar de buen o mal humor, to be in a good or bad mood. Estar de moda, to be in fashion. Estar de moda, to be in fashion. Estar sin empleo. To be without work or unemployed. Estar sin empleo. To be without work or unemployed. Estar de prisa. To be in a hurry. Estar de prisa. To be in a hurry. Estar de vacaciones. To be on vacation. Or you could say estar de vacaciones. To be on vacation. Estar de vicio. To be to die for. Estar de vicio. To be to die for. Men. That means basically when something is really, really good, like a piece of chocolate. It's simply to die for. Está de vicio. You can also use estar de plus a sustantivo or a noun to express that someone is doing something they normally don't do. 
For example, if you say that someone está de pintor, you are saying that they are not generally a painter, but for the moment they are painting or acting like a painter. Now, there are some expressions that involve using an infinitive verb instead of a noun. For example, estar para plus the infinitivo. So that means to be about to do something. Estar para plus infinitivo is to be about to do something. For example, estoy para salir. I'm about to go out. Estoy para salir. I'm about to go out. There's estar por infinitivo, which is to be inclined to do something. Estar por infinitivo, which is to be inclined to do something. So, for example, estás por leer las noticias. You're inclined to read the news. Estás por leer las noticias. You're inclined to read the news. And finally, estar a punto de plus infinitivo, to be about to do something. Estar a punto de infinitivo, to be about to do something. So, for example, están a punto de comer. They are about to eat. Están a punto de comer. They are about to eat. Now, the final part of tirando, obviously ignoring the gerund ending, right, the endio, is RA, which stands for result of an action. This is a grammatical construct where you use estar plus the past participle to express cause and effect, or the result of an action. When used this way, the past participle is used as an adjective, such as in la puerta está abierta. Because of this, the past participle must agree with the noun in gender and quantity, such as los niños están dormidos. Notice how it's los niños, and so dormidos is os at the end, dormidos. Or las ventanas están cerradas. Las ventanas, so cerradas, right, has the as ending. So, for example, of the result of an action, El maestro nos pidió que hiciéramos nuestra presentación temprano. Estábamos bastante molestos. The teacher asked us to give our presentation early. We were quite upset. El maestro nos pidió que hiciéramos nuestra presentación temprano. Estábamos bastante molestos. The teacher asked us to give our presentation early. We were quite upset. Queríamos ver la película con ellos, pero estaban demasiado cansados. We wanted to see the movie with them, but they were too tired. Queríamos ver la película con ellos, pero estaban demasiado cansados. We wanted to watch the movie with them, but they were too tired. Los niños ya están dormidos para que puedan despertarse temprano mañana. The children are already asleep so they can wake up early tomorrow. Los niños ya están dormidos para que puedan despertarse temprano mañana. The children are already asleep so they can wake up early tomorrow. If you're wondering what the difference is between using estar or ser in the past participle, remember that ser in this construction forms the passive voice. So let's take a look at the following sentences. La comida fue preparada por el personal. The meal was cooked by the staff. La comida fue preparada por el personal. The meal was cooked by the staff. La mesa estaba puesta para la fiesta navideña. The table was set for the Christmas party. La mesa estaba puesta para la fiesta navideña. The table was set for the Christmas party. In the first sentence, we used passive voice because the emphasis is on the fact that the meal was prepared and we don't care quite so much who did the preparing. 
In the second sentence, we use estar to highlight that there is a party, which resulted in the table being set. With estar, you are focusing on the results of an action, whereas with ser, you are just focusing on the action. Now, going back to estar and the past participle, as I'm sure you've already noticed, we actually use this grammatical construction when talking about changing states of being, whether temporary or permanent. Las puertas estaban cerradas. The doors were closed. Las ventanas estaban muy abiertas. The windows were wide open. Él está muerto. He is dead. Estoy casada. I am married. And basically, there you have it. When and how to use the verb estar. Hopefully, this has helped you solidify when and how to use it. All you have to do is remember, si lo está tirando, which translates to, yes, he is throwing it. Si lo está tirando. And in our next episode, we'll compare ser and estar in various sentences to highlight their subtle, nuanced meanings. It'll be fun! Until then, if you have any questions, you can always contact me at contact at languageanswers.com. That was a lot of grammar. So let's lighten this episode up a little bit by looking at our cultural tip on Bolivia, talking about their holidays. Now, to save on time and to avoid extreme repetitiveness, here's a quick list of holidays that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in other episodes. So I won't get into too much detail for these ones. There's New Year's Day, which is always January 1st. Carnival Monday and Tuesday, which were February 28th and March 1st, as they always come before Ash Wednesday. Good Friday was April 15th, and it is always the Friday before Easter, which was April 17th this year. There's Labor Day, or Dia del Trabajador, which is always May 1st. Corpus Christi, which was June 16th, as it celebrated the second Thursday after Whitson. All Souls Day, or Dia de Finados, which is always celebrated on November 2nd and Christmas Day, which is always celebrated on December 25th. Now, let's talk about their unique holidays. Technically, there are only three unique national holidays that we're going to talk about, but I also want to highlight the several regional holidays that were listed on officeholidays.com. So our first one is the Plurinational State Foundation Day, or Dia del Estado Plurinacional, which is always January 22nd. In 2009, the Bolivian constitution was changed with encouragement from the country's first indigenous president, Evo Morales, to recognize Bolivia's multicultural state and changing the country's official name to the plurinational state of Bolivia. When the new constitution was enacted on January 22nd in 2010, President Morales decreed the day as an annual holiday to celebrate Plurinational State Foundation Day. Next, we have Chukisaca Day, and I apologize if I am butchering that name. But in Spanish, you'd say Dia del Departamento de Chuquisaca, which is always May 25th. Technically, this is a regional holiday celebrated in the Chuquisaca Department, which is similar to a state. Chuquisaca shares its departmental capital, Sucre, as also the country's constitutional capital. Now, this city held the first public cry for independence from Spain on May 25th, 1809, which is known as the Primer Grito Libertario, or the First Freedom Shout. Later, on August 6th in 1825, the Act of Independence from Spanish rule was also signed here. In 1839, they renamed the city, as it had been called Chuquisaca, to Sucre in honor of Antonio José de Sucre, the country's second president. 
Next, we have the public holiday, the Andean New Year, or Año Nuevo Andino Amazonico, which is always June 21st, also known as Ulcacuti, which is Aymarin for Return of the Sun. It was created in 2010 and celebrates the Southern Hemisphere's winter solstice. Thousands will travel to the Tiwanaku ruins with its megalithic structures to greet the sunrise. The holiday is a little controversial, as only 20% of Bolivians are of Aymaran descent, and some question if the Aymarans even celebrated the winter solstice. Next, we have La Paz Day, or Dia del Departamento de La Paz, which is always on July 16th. This is technically a regional holiday for the city of Nuestra Señora de La Paz, or La Paz, to commemorate the city's uprising against the Spanish on July 16th in 1809, shortly after Sucre enacted its own fight for independence. La Paz's revolt was led by Pedro Domingo Murillo, who declared Bolivia, then known as Upper Peru, to be its own independent state. This marked the beginning of Bolivia's fight for independence. To celebrate, there are fireworks, parades, dancing, and concerts. Interestingly, this day also marks Our Lady of Carmel, a day honoring the Virgin Mary. She is the patroness of Bolivia and of La Paz, hence their official really long name. Next, number five, we have Independence Day, or Dia de la Patria, which is always celebrated on August 6th. This day marks Bolivia's independence from Spain. The country's fight for freedom lasted 16 years. While the country had been called Charcas, once it gained independence, it was renamed to Bolivia in honor of the Venezuelan leader, Simón Bolívar, who was crucial to winning the war against Spain. Next, we have Cochabamba Day, or Dia del Departamento de Cochabamba, which is always celebrated on September 14th. Another regional public holiday, this day celebrates the second foundation of the city of Cochabamba on September 14th in 1574, as well as the creation of the Department of Cochabamba, and can I just say I love the name, it is Incan for a plain full of small lakes, but I love saying it, Cochabamba, and the creation of the department happened much later on January 23rd in 1826. So why did the city have two foundations? Well, it used to belong to the Incan Empire when the Spanish came in the 16th century, but the Spanish created a new settlement in August of 1571 and called it Villa de Oropesa. When the man who ordered its foundation, the Viceroy Francisco de Toledo, the Cant of Oropesa, died in 1573, for some reason the conquistador Sebastián Barba de Padilla founded it a second time. When Villa de Oropesa became an official city in 1786, it was renamed to Cochabamba. It is now the capital of the Cochabamba Department. And lastly, we have several different regional holidays that are public holidays celebrated throughout Bolivia. There is one on February 25th that is celebrated on the Friday before Ash Wednesday in Oruro. There is one on April 15th, always celebrated on April 15th, by the city of Tarija, which is a holiday to remember the Batalla de la Tablada from 1817. Now, this important battle marked a key victory against the Spanish in the War for Independence. Some interesting facts include Tarija could have joined Argentina, but instead chose to join Bolivia. The battle was celebrated on May 4th for the first 100 years after the battle, but apparently it was moved to April 15th when a historian corrected the date. That's funny. And 
Also, the entire month of April is dedicated to celebrating this event, with cultural events and festivals taking place during these Los Abriles de Tarija. This includes fairs, handcrafts, a rodeo and livestock show, dances, and concerts. Sounds like a good time. Now, there's another regional holiday celebrated always on September 24th in Santa Cruz, and another one always celebrated on October 11th in Pando, and then another one always celebrated on November 10th in Potosí, the capital of the Department of what else? Potosí. It was founded by Antonio José de Sucre, the Marshal of Ayacucho, and the holiday celebrates its own cry of independence on November 10th in 1810. Lastly, there is a regional holiday always celebrated on November 18th in Beni, or El Beni, which is the second largest department in Bolivia. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, especially with all of the heavy grammar, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey, so please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. I will see you in two weeks. Hasta luego! Hasta luego!